The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Fun to drink every day. Be a good teammate first and foremost. Support the guys. Support Dave. And uh, just make sure that I'm ready when I get that opportunity. So that starts in the gym, starts on the ice, getting out early, staying out after with the guys. Um, anything that's going to make you successful in the next start. Jeff Talbot says he's ready and prepared. And he gets the start in net tonight. And the question is, and, and I think it's a really fun conversation, was this the right time to go to Talbot? Because uh, was sitting uh, with Ryan Dietrich of CalgaryFlames.com today and, and sitting up there in the in the stands getting ready for the Flames to start coming out for morning skate. We're just having that conversation. Who's it going to be like? Would you, would you go back to Riddick or would you go to Talbot? And what do you think they're going to do? And I, I thought that uh, they were going to go to Riddick, but I thought, you know what? This might be a good time to go to Talbot because if you put Talbot in tonight against the Dallas Stars it's only, I mean only is the wrong word, but it's 10 days between starts but it's not as stretched out as some of the other times he's had where we've seen two weeks between starts for Talbot and Mr. Klein, it gives David Riddick an opportunity to have a week of rest he'll go likely Saturday to Saturday between starts if they go back to Dave against the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday afternoon, so I do think they need to start being a little bit more cognizant of David's workload. I do think that now we're into the second quarter of the season that being a little bit more mindful of how much he's playing and maybe trying to dial back and, and pick spots for him to rest uh, is is maybe a little bit more important now. And I think that you can make the argument that the, game, that the team's overall game is starting to come around. And when Talbot's been in, he's been just fine. Like I know that the numbers aren't the, necessarily the, the best numbers you've ever seen, but I really haven't had a problem with the way Talbot has played. I think that he's given the team an opportunity to win in the four starts that he's made to this point. So I don't mind them going to Talbot, and especially now that they're playing better in front of their goalies, I think that you can make these decisions a little easier as opposed to worrying about going away from your number one. This gives David Riddick a, a full week off from games, which I think could be very valuable for him as well. So I I didn't know if they were going to do this, but I, I do feel like they're making the right call here. Yeah, I, I think so too. And you can make the argument that maybe this should have happened either the Arizona game or the New Jersey game at the start of the homestand, but the New Jersey game was coming off of that outing against Arizona where you weren't necessarily thrilled with how the team played for most of that game. So I don't know if putting in the guy who essentially now is the backup would have been the way to go. And if you're looking for a soft spot on the schedule, as we talked about with Lou and Hockey Central at noon, there isn't That's one really coming up. Um, it's at Arizona, at Vegas, home Colorado, at St. Louis, at Philly, at Pittsburgh, at Buffalo, home Ottawa. So unless you're saving Talbot for one start a month, you're going to have to put your backup goalie in or your 1B in against some pretty tough teams. That's exactly it, and I think that you have to be comfortable in doing that. I think you have to be, look, you went out and you signed Talbot to a pretty big contract in, in terms of being a, a 1B or a number 2 goalie. That deal, yeah, it's only for one year, but it's still a pretty decent dollar figure for a guy who's going to be number 2 on the depth chart. And if you go out and you sign a contract like that, you, you got to be comfortable playing him. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you can be in a spot where you have to pick bad teams and bad teams only. And I don't feel like this is this isn't Eddie Lack from a couple of years ago, where you have to choose a bad team and then cross your fingers. I feel like Talbot's been just fine in the starts that he's made to this point. That you don't need to be in that scenario, and you can, you know, go up against the Dallas Stars team that is pretty good and has some good offensive talent, and not worry about it, and and not feel like you know you're putting yourself in a worst position to win. Sure, David Riddick has been this team's best player through 20 games. I think we can all agree on that, but if you want to have him continue to be your best player through the next 62, well, you probably need to choose your spots as to when to rest him, and and this feels like a a good spot. And I, I, I feel like if you're the coaching staff, this is less about choosing spots for when Talbot goes in and more choosing spots for when's it good to get David Riddick some time off. Like, to me, that's still the priority. Managing Riddick and his numbers, and, and not numbers, his minutes and his workload, managing that and choosing the right spots for when to have him as, as, as the, the guy that sits and when to have him not being as active. That's the priority. And the, the second priority would be, okay, what are we doing for Cam, and, and how does he come in? I know that sounds a little harsh, but you, you still have to be making the decision based more on what David Riddick needs and, and less on what Cam Talbot needs. That's that's how I would put it, anyway. Yeah, and that it does feel like a bit of a shift from the start of the season when we, uh, I, at least, was assuming this was going to be a bit more 1A, 1B, at least to start the year, and then Riddick goes out and has the 20 games that he's had and has been the, the team's most valuable player. And the, the issue, I don't know if it's been as much the, the play of Cam Talbot, because as you mentioned, he's been fine. I, I, I don't, like, his numbers aren't going to go up in the Hall of Fame or anything, but at save percentage right around nine. Like he, he, he has been what they've needed from him on most of the nights that he has played. The problem is they've, need, they've needed Riddick to steal them games a lot of times this season to keep them in games. So it's been the play in front of the goalies, as you mentioned, that's been the issue. That's starting to tighten up a little bit, and I wonder if this just kind of drives home, like, look, you don't have the main guy back there tonight, so for the love of God, mind your P's and Q's, and let's get the job done against Dallas. I wonder if this kind of sparks something a little bit extra in the boys up front tonight. Uh, on the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line at 960-960, uh, this reads, uh, Talbot still makes me nervous with his earlier questionable goals. The Flames have received outstanding goaltending and is the main reason why the record is what it is. Without outstanding goaltending, not sure if they're winning games at the moment with the way the team is playing. I do feel like it's been better. Uh, I liked them against New Jersey. I didn't dislike them against St. Louis. Yeah, I thought the Blues were the better team for a good chunk of that game on Saturday, but that wasn't because the Flames played poorly. I liked them against Columbus. Uh, it wasn't great against Arizona, but they had the comeback win, and I, I didn't mind them in that 4-2 loss to Washington. So if you look at November's game so far, Columbus, Washington, Arizona, New Jersey, St. Louis, there's only the one that I disliked and they got two points in the game that I disliked. The rest of them, I think by and large, their game is starting to trend in the right direction, so I, I feel like maybe you're a little less worried about we need our number one guy to steal his games right now because even if it's not perfect and even if there are still a lot of things, especially when it comes to top players on this team that aren't necessarily where they want it to be, at least from a team perspective, the the uh, overall game is starting to trend in the right uh, direction. What else we got here? The 960960. Um, 
Home start for backup goalies. Managed line matchups, so more favorable D zone starts could be a part of the conversation. Um, Chris writes, when talking about which goalie will start, it does a real disservice to Talbot to talk about it in terms of Talbot being a loss but Riddick being a win, regardless of which team they play. I don't know who did that. Did you do that? Did you say that this is a, a loss because Talbot's no. starting? No. Don't think you did. Uh, no, no, I don't don't believe I did. And if this texture is suggesting we shouldn't talk about them as if Riddick is better than Talbot, then I think that's also kind of burying your hand in the sand a little bit. Well, and I mean, look. It's, like that, it's, it's factually correct. One's been better than the other. And and it's not like uh, Talbot's been poor, but no. Riddick has been outstanding through 20 games or through 16 games for yeah. him. So. One's been fine. The other's been the MVP of the team for the first 20 games. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this reads, playing Talbot as little as they are is a little ridiculous. That's uh, that's the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the program. The Steinberg Show is underway on a game day Wednesday, brought to you by Country Hills. Toyota. Uh, here's what we can tell you. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg, just in case you needed that. Um, also, if you needed to know who the Flames are playing tonight, I can tell you that they're playing the Dallas Stars. I'm here. I'm full of information for you today. Uh, this is a little important. 7.30. Note the start time. 7.30. So we're on the air at 6 o'clock with a media roundtable. On media roundtable today, it features Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. Um, Aaron Vickers from NHL.com and for the first time Brendan Parker from Calgary Flames TV will join us to complete the roundtable. So Parks, Ryan and Vickers, your media roundtable then Labardius joins in at 6.30 for Calgary Flames warm up our one hour pregame show to get you ready. Uh, on television, Sportsnet 1 is where you can find this one and of course Sportsnet 960 on the radio. In terms of the lineups tonight and what you can expect, it'll be Ben Bishop on the other side for the Dallas Stars. Flames are sticking with essentially the same forward lines. One change. Michael Froley comes back in. He'll go on the right side of a line with uh, Derek Ryan and Sam Bennett. Also tonight, Sean Monaghan between Johnny Gaudreau and Elias Lindholm. Backland remains with Manjapani and Kachuk. And Jankowski with Lucic and Ryder. Looks like Alan Quine will be the odd man out tonight. On the back end, nothing changes. Jordano Hamannick, Hannafin Anderson, Brody, and Stone. Um, and it seems like, Klein, that Michael Froelich responds in situations like this. He's been a healthy scratch the last two games, and it feels like in scenarios where he's been bumped to the fourth line and then come back in, or when he's been healthy scratched and come back in, that you know he, he does respond to this. And, and Froelich's a proud guy. Like This is a guy that... Um, keeps himself in incredible shape year-round. He is meticulous with his routine, with his diet, with uh, his training regimen, and and he he really cares about how he performs and how he's helping the team. So, look, do I think that he has been the 13th best forward on the team this year? I don't. And so I, I, I don't think that he necessarily on merit alone has deserved to be the odd man out or has deserved to be a healthy scratch the last two games. But you're also as a team and as a coaching staff right now still trying to find what combinations work the best. And so that is going to have a player sit. Like I don't think Alan Quine has been particularly bad at all, but it looks like he's 
he's going to sit tonight when you're trying to find what your best look is sometimes a guy's going to have to sit for a game or two and I do think that's what's going on here but would not surprise me at all if Michael Frohley comes back in tonight and uh, makes a bit of an impact because it seems like that's what happens a lot of the time when he ends up getting sat or moved down the depth chart. Yeah that, that certainly is the script that's been followed by Frohley so far over the last year and a bit. I'm I get that he has him in the Flames' 13th best forward for, for a lot of this season, but I do think he's played his way into that tier where if there's an off night, you could find yourself in the press box. Like I, I think he's kind of in that group of players now, and the Flames lost in their last game, so he comes back in, someone comes out. I was kind of liking the, the Bennett-Ryan-Quine combination. This certainly isn't a hill I'm willing to die on to say, how dare you take out Alan Quine after six minutes of play the other night. Um, but I... I thought that line was being pretty effective. I think that Quine added a good speed dynamic to it, so I'm interested to see how Froelich fits in with those two guys. Not that they haven't played before, but I thought that Quine was actually showing up pretty well in his first couple games, so I'm interested that it was Quine specifically who comes out for Froelich in this game tonight. I, uh, I I am curious to see how this plays itself out. Is is Frolik a guy who is here for the rest of the season, or do they find a, a partner to potentially get a better fit for him? Uh, I, I think since the beginning of last year, uh, he and, and head coach Bill Peters have not necessarily been on the same page. I don't think there's a rift there, but I, I don't think that Peters has been as enamored with Frolik's play as, as the prior coaching regime was, and and I don't think that Peters looks at Froelich and says that's the ideal fit or the long-term fit that I want playing with Backlund and Kachuk. Right now it's Manjapani up there, and that might be the long-term fit that they're looking for. But I, I am expecting a pretty good game from Michael Froelich. I'm not as down on him as some others are. I don't think I'm as down on his play as, as you are. I think that he's still a, you know, yeah, does he make $4.3 million per year? Sure he, does. sure he does. Is he still an effective NHL forward? Yeah, and is he still one of their best defensive forwards? I think absolutely he is. So I'm not I'm not as down on him as some others are, uh, but I do think that as you're looking to find a mix and the best combinations, you're going to see guys that you know don't necessarily 100% on merit deserve to be out. Sometimes they, they might find themselves on the outside looking in a game or two. Um, have you have you taken a gander at the numbers of the Dallas Stars? Like, have you been have you taken a look at at what this team is all about and how they've gotten to where they are this year? Uh, I've been looking at them the the last few hours here, getting ready for this game. Um, not what I was expecting coming in. I think if you would have asked me a few over under totals on these on yesterday's show, I would have got a lot of these wrong. I knew that they had turned things around. I just assumed it was the big boys doing a lot of that turning. So the Dallas Stars got off to an awful start. They were 1-7-1 and to start the year, which was well below expectations. A team that was a goal away from playing the San Jose Sharks in the Western Conference Final. Uh, starts like that, well, yeah, that's not going to go over very well. And head coach Jim Montgomery all of a sudden found himself, at least on the outside, found himself on the chopping block or on the hot seat. Since that 1-7-1 start, Stars are 7-1-1 in their last nine games. So they have turned it around record-wise. But if you were to take a guess, I know you've seen it, so I'm just throwing this out there rhetorically, knowing that only Peter can answer me. Um, <laughs> but if you were to take a guess at how many points Jamie Benn were to have, would you go over under, say, 10 and a half? 
if you took the over, you'd be wrong. He has six points in Dallas's first 18 games. He has one goal in Dallas's first 18 games. You, you could have Ben isn't scoring. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, you, you could have asked me, does Jamie Ben have six points over this nine game stretch where they're seven, one and one? And I probably mm-hmm. would have taken the over. He has six points in 18 games. Five of those are assists. Uh, Tyler Sagan has three goals through 18 games. The 11 points, not as distressing, but still, that's not very good, uh, especially for what those guys are getting paid. In fact, as of right now, the Dallas Stars have just three players uh, with double digits in points. You've got Sagan with 11, Rupe Hintz, who's hurt right now, has 11 points, and Alexander Radulov has 10 points. Everybody else single digits when it comes to points on this Stars team. Only Rupe Hintz has more than five goals. He's got nine, but... Sagan with three, Radulov with five, Pavelski with three, Faxa has five, Perry has two, Miro Haskin and off the back has four. This team does not score very much, which is not what you'd expect. In fact, the Dallas Stars are the third lowest scoring team in the NHL through their first 18 games. Uh, They've got Ben Bishop off to a uh, good start. They've got their defensive game working well as they're also the third stingiest team in the NHL. But if I were to have told you that, uh, watch out, the Dallas Stars, they play like the Arizona Coyotes with that type of talent, don't know if you would have believed me. But that's what we're talking about. They don't score very much right now, uh, but they're not allowing much on the other side either. Yeah, you hear the players talking in the, the, the scrums today about how tight defensively this team plays. And you're like, well, they have... Like Sagan and Radulov and Ben, and I mean, like Heiskanen's a, a good player, but I wouldn't consider him a defensive defenseman just yet. So it's like, where these guys must be out to lunch. And then you you look at the numbers, and oh no, they really lock things down. And you can see why Ben Bishop's goals against average is sitting at a, a nice and tidy two point two. This is a team you go and go back through some of the games and watch what they've been doing. They're going to make you work for everything tonight. And I think you can see a lot of similarities between, as you mentioned, the Arizona Coyotes, but also the the St. Louis Blues, because this is a team that can turn things into a track meet if they have to, but can also really bog things down and make it difficult for you. So this is going to be another interesting test for this Flames team tonight. Ben Bishop is off to a really nice start. It was uh, not the greatest first week of the season, first maybe two weeks of the season for him, but ever since he's been bonkers good, currently sits with a 928 save percentage and always seems to play well against the Calgary Flames. So Ben Bishop gets the start in net for the Dallas Stars tonight, and uh, it'll be Cam Talbot going for the Calgary Flames. couple of texts on what we've seen from the Stars. Um... I have Ben on both my fantasy teams. I'm close to dropping him. Um, Mike writes, you guys have been very critical of Johnny Gaudreau when you should be wondering what has happened to Mr. $9 million Jamie Ben. Well, don't we don't really know. Like We don't talk daily, Mike, about the Dallas Stars. Yeah, we work in Calgary, so I think it's we have every right to be wondering about what's going on with Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau has been struggling by his standards. Jamie Ben has been struggling significantly more. Uh, six points on right now... More than a million dollars of points. Um, what else we got here? Uh, this writes, uh, impressive use of the word gander. That was. Uh, that was strong gandering. I do. Once in a while. I, I usually use 
words correctly. Like once in a while, I'll use them incorrectly. But I think I have a pretty good handle on like if if there's a big word, I think I can like use it properly in a sentence. Not not always, but most of the time, I think that I can use it properly in a sentence. Like for instance, penultimate. Like tomorrow is the penultimate day of the week. If that is correct, that's how you use it. It's the second last day of the week, work week. Um, so usually I can get them right. Uh, by the way, puck drop tonight, 7.30. We've got it for you right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. i got to get uh, Mr. Klein's take on this. Cody Fajardo not throwing <laughs> 100% at practice today. Uh, he was throwing very short passes, doing a lot of handoffs. The other three quarterbacks on the Riders roster, they were throwing the 20 and 30-yard passes, but a uh, lot of short passes for Cody Fajardo today. He has a back injury. Uh, he did not play their regular season finale in Week 21. Had a full bye week to recover. Now day one of practice ahead of the West Division final on Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. What uh, what does the Riders fan on this program have to say about uh, Cody Fajardo's first day of practice? Just a, a quick uh, answering your question with a question. Uh, Chris Strevler, did he practice last week with a broken foot? Uh, no, and he's not practicing today. Yeah, either. And, and it it seemed to his foot looked fine uh, against the the Stampeders. I'm Seems not like a lot of confirmation bias. Seems like somebody. Well, Chris Strebler didn't practice, so that means that Cody Fajardo is going to be fine. I'm yeah, just the, I'm being, the guy has I'm a trolling you. Guy has a bad back, and he's throwing a little bit. I take that as a, a sign of progress. So I'm I'm not concerned about the availability. You're not concerned, hey? That's, and, and you no. know what? I asked the question because I, I actually do defer to you on these ones because I don't. If you're you're going to have a little bit of a, a better feel on Rider Nation's pulse or fear level on this, so you're not worried about it at all, hey? No, no. I, I mean, th- there's maybe 5% of me that's like, well, you know, it would be nice if he was fully practicing, but... It's only you, you day don't. one too. I mean, yeah. there might be a there might be a ramp up plan here. This could be the the, the you know they want to test it out and it responds fine. Tomorrow he throws a little bit more, and then Friday he's throwing a little bit more, so on and so forth. Um, I think that if I were uh, a Riders fan, uh, the, the best news would have been Cody Fajardo is slinging it out there. He's <laughs> yeah. throwing absolute frozen ropes sixty yards down the field. I would have loved to hear that. Now I don't know if that's typically how you practice on day one right but um that would have been the best news um but the fact that he was out there and he was taking reps with the first team i think that's your biggest positive for me that's the the biggest takeaway even though he wasn't i was yeah i'm trying to fear monger a little bit from a riders fan who's invested in this game i i could care less who wins i'm I'm actually really excited for the game i you know it would be nice to see the bombers win but if the riders win they'll be deserving that's a good football team over there and and i'm not going to take that away from them one bit. Uh, so I want Fajardo to play. I want him to, I don't want to see a game with I no, no knock on Isaac Harker, but I want to see Cody Fajardo and the Riders have their their 100% best roster for this West Division final. That's so why I'm I'm hoping that he's good to go. Um, and and I would say this is probably more positive than than negative news right now. First off, plenty of knocks on Isaac Harker. I do not want to see him starting in a playoff game. Like the, the, he's just not Good Plenty enough to be knocks. started. Yes, several several knocks on Isaac Harker. Uh, no, Cody Fajardo is going to be fine. This is a team that is being careful with a quarterback. I don't think timing is going to be an issue. He's been getting first-team reps since the third play of the season. So him taking this time to make sure that he is 100%, I, 
I am not concerned one bit, and I don't think any Ryder fan should be either. But they're Ryder fans, so it's kind of ingrained. That That's true. There is a little panic involved there. Uh, remember, Trevor Harris uh, played one game over a span of two months, came back in the East Division semifinal, and set a record for completion percentage in a football game. Yeah, so, and right out of the gate, too. Game. Yeah, like, what is he, 21 for 21 or whatever he was? 22 straight passes to start yeah. the game, so it's not like he needed right. to build it back up a little bit. He looked, he looked like he was out of sync. He looked like he was rusty <laughs> yeah. right out of the gate. You know, that was 22 <laughs> out of 22. That, that, that to me, is is what Russ shows you. You're right, by the way. Streveler did not practice ahead of the West Division semifinal for Winnipeg. He came in, and even with what we believe is a broken foot, even though they're not telling us, what we believe is a broken foot, he still gashed the Stampeders defense uh, uh, for almost 100 yards. So he uh, he was able to do just fine without practicing. I, I am fully aware of that and uh, fully cognizant of that. So we'll see how it all plays out. And again, I think most uh, most of me thinks that it was actually a positive that Fajardo was practicing with the first-team offense today. We'll see how it looks tomorrow. Uh, on the uh, Glenn Morati fan feedback text line at 960-960 to wrap up the segment. Um I remember last year, Tom Gallardi, the owner of the Stars, wanted to smack Jamie Benn for struggling to produce. Now he's been even worse this season, and so has the team. Wonder what Gallardi is thinking about today, Jamie. A um, couple people talking about how I said I could care less is wrong. Pat, the expression is I couldn't care less, not I could care less. Uh, you could care less, Pat. That means you care a little bit. <sighs> Boy, all that clout you build up for Gander is just gone right away. Yeah, you know what? I, I ruined it. <laughs> I couldn't care less. There you go. That is a typical one. That's one of the ones that we do screw up a lot. You're right. Well, I mean, speak for yourself. But you yeah, know, no, for sure. But I think you know what I was getting at. I think that you understand. You're right, though. Um, it's like sometimes you hear, for all intensive purposes. No, no. It's uh, for all <laughs> yeah. intents and purposes. Um, but again, those are... Yeah, I will I will be more wary of that. My uh, mass apologies to you. Um Calling it now, Ben struggling. His owner throws some shade, guaranteed hat trick tonight. I was here once when Jamie Ben had five points and uh, looked like Oof. he could have had a hundred, as as Lou talks about many times. I think Tyler Sagan had four goals that game or a hat trick. It was a bit of a blowout. For yeah, when those guys get rolling, there are I don't think there are many better than those two. Uh, and then this one, this is just a fun one to wrap up the segment, uh, Pat. I'm heading to Vegas in a day or two. I'm staying at the link, and I've heard rumors of cheap tables nearby. Need your wisdom. Okay, so if you're staying at the link, that is the former Imperial Palace. Um, it is right across from Caesars Palace and right in the middle of the Strip. It's a good location. If you're looking for cheap tables in and around there, your best bet is to go north on the Strip uh, and find your way to Casino. Royale because if you're looking for cheap tables at that end of the strip you're not going to find better than Casino Royale there's so many great things about Casino Royale this is why it is my favorite favorite spot on the strip because I don't I'm not a big gambler I I like low limit roulette I like low limit blackjack give me that all day so at Casino Royale 
you're talking about very cheap blackjack, very cheap roulette, like crazy low limits. You don't have to worry about it. It's not like, oh, $20 limit. I can't do $20 a spin. I work in radio. Uh, so you've got that. I believe they do like $2, 250 Michelob Ultras, and the rest of their beer is like $3. So the beer is cheap. Um, there's a White Castle next door that is actually Ugh. part of the casino that's open 24 hours. Incredible. Don't ever yuck at White Castle again, Peter. Oh, Klein. I'm sorry. I, I meant to be clear with that. I said blech, not yuck. Sorry, I, you, I meant have, to, have to you, drive it home. What have you ever while. had at White Castle? Like, Do you know who you're talking to? What have I ever had? Of course I've had White Castle. I, those sliders are unbelievable. I love them. Um, and the then, worst food in Vegas. No, no, no chance. Yep. There are so many worse nope. spots in Vegas. Nope. Yeah, that's a that's a bad take by you. Uh, and then on the uh, on the second floor of Casino Royale, Outback Steakhouse. So I mean, you've got everything right there. You've got an Outback. You've got a White Castle. You've got low limit slots. You've got low limit tables. You've got uh, like two dollar beers. Like you got to find your. And I think you're maybe a five minute walk from the link to uh, Casino Royale. That's where you want to go if you're looking for cheap tables. Actually, the links limits for one of the bigger. Like they're they're an affiliated hotel. Um, with one of the big uh, hotel companies in Vegas, their table limits aren't that bad. But if you're looking for really low limits, Casino Royale all the way. Uh, okay, well that's um, that's about uh, that's about all I can get for you when it comes to Vegas advice and where to get cheap tables on the Strip at that end. Also, Fremont if you're looking for cheap tables as well. Uh, enjoy your trip to Las Vegas, by the way. And definitely uh, every don't, morning- don't go to White Castle. Don't ever listen to Peter Klein. Uh, at 6.45 a.m. every morning, uh, tune in to Full Disclosure, uh, brought to you by MotorWorks, the only independent shop that works exclusively on BMWs and will beat any competitor's quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street Southeast or Google MotorWorks Calgary. Well, according to Brent Cron, going to Cam Talbot tonight, 100% the right call. He'll tell us why next Steinberg Show's underway. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAveVW.com. Okay, a couple of things. I I feel like I have set off a bit of a nerve. Um, Peter Klein, not a fan of White Castle. Um... A few personal texts to my own phone. I feel like borderline harassment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good. <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 promote harassment. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, a couple of personal texts about how poor White Castle is. It tastes uh, like food poisoning. Then this. Um, I love this text. It's actually quite funny. White Castle is absolutely, unequivocally the most disgusting fast food place on planet Earth. Ruined my first two dra- days of my first ever Vegas trip. I don't know what the problem is. I quite enjoy White Castle at like 3.30 in the morning after you've been on a gambling, drinking binge since noon. It's perfect. You get you get those uh, three cheeseburger sliders, uh, the fries. Oh, I, it's it's heaven. I'm actually Not getting sick thing. to my stomach thinking about this. Apparently, I'm uh, I'm in the minority, and that's fine. I'm uh, uh, somebody. Also, this is a bad take. Um, most of those U.S. burger chains not in Canada are completely overrated. All oh. hype, in and out, Jack in the Box. I'm sure White Castle is the same. Now it's a How bad take only because, I mean, Sonic's at a different level. Yes, uh, Sonic is is I believe 
one of the the great things that we don't have in this country. I, I don't have. There's not a lot of things that we don't have in Canada, but Sonic is one of them. Um, Could not agree anytime, more. Anytime I'm driving through Spokane, right down Division to get myself uh, to Sonic on Division, or in Vegas, I will walk uh, on Flamingo to the Sonic on Flamingo. Like you got, if there's a Sonic that is near, I've got to be there. Um, so, by the way, here's a story. Brent Cron texts me today, our NHL goaltending analyst, texts me today at like 9.30. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out at 1.30 today, right? I'm like, sure, if you want to come in. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got some stuff to say. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go, I uh, want to talk about Talbot and how if they start him, that's the right call. want to talk about Andrew Werner and uh, what he did last night. Uh, I want to talk about the Stars goaltending. Ten. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, Cron. You're fired up. You want to come on. Um so at uh, one ten, can you call me around one thirty-five? I'm at a luncheon that may run a bit longer than expected. Sure, and then hate to be last minute. I'm not sure when this thing will finish. Uh, don't think I can get away. Oh. So Kron, who booked himself onto the show, then pulled the shoot five minutes before coming on. I was so disappointed. That's why this was, we're talking about fast food. This was the first time. Like I have the Crontage in my work folder, ready to go, ready to gear it up. And he's not here. Like, I, I had a chance to redeem myself after last week of not having it, and then you threw me under the bus. And, and that was fine, but now I had a chance to redeem myself and nothing. Um, Mike Wright, Smashburger, In-N-Out, Gordon Ramsay's Burger in Vegas 2. Gordon Ramsay Burger in Vegas 2. Got to pick up your game. Uh, Smashburger we've got here. I've been to Smashburger many times. It's great. Um, In-N-Out, maybe the worst burger on the planet cannot stomach it um it's mainly because of the thousand island dressing i just am not a fan uh gordon ramsay burger's good um where you also need to go uh, shake shack is pretty solid in vegas as well see i had a bad um, shake shack experience in texas took an hour and a half and then they said oh you ordered no well, man i'm just hanging out just chilling you didn't so. say anything we we kept asking and then someone said oh your order's not in yeah was very disappointed Almost like ruined WrestleMania weekend for me. Feel like your lack of assertiveness might have played a slight part in this as well. May have. Still, I shouldn't have to be assertive. Once I've ordered, I expect that my order is I in. I agree, but mistakes happen. There's no way I would wait an hour and a half for an order. They'll be like, hey, guys, it's been 20 minutes. What is the deal here? Like, are you killing the cow right now? <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, I That's... that's I think that's partially on you, Klein. A uh, couple questions about checkers. Uh, yes, I have been to checkers. It was the most terrifying experience in my life. I cannot tell you the story on the air. I don't think, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a not a great day. Uh, clearly, Pat, you'll eat just about anything. Yeah, this is um, this is quite the realization I'm coming to because I'm I, I assumed that coming in here I would be the fat guy and now you are just like crushing any fast food that anyone will put in front of you whereas i have what some would call taste so I, i'm just i'm surprised by this i uh i like if i'm on vacation i don't really worry about what i'm eating it's like okay i'm on vacation i'm i'm eating what i really want to eat as opposed to these vegetables um so mm, salt and pepper chicken or fast food like yeah if i'm on vacation i'm gonna go so yeah i i uh, i am a bit i don't know if like maybe connoisseur is the uh wrong word because i'm not as clearly discerning as some others are 
I just will uh, eat what's put in put in front of me. But I do have my favorites. There's no doubt about it. Uh, somebody um, underlining Wahlburgers on the strip, which oh, is good. good. Um, There's one in Toronto, good. so it's not necessarily U.S. exclusive, but still good in Vegas. Oh, they got a Wahlburgers in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, it's they, uh, by the Rogers Center. Is I, it where Gretzky's uh, used to be, or is I, am I, I might be mixing a couple things up there, but it's in that area. Did a Wahlburgers uh, this last trip to Vegas in January at about 4.30 in the morning. I was really hungry. Uh, somebody asked if I will eat ranch on vacation. <laughs> no, no, I uh, do not uh, do not ever partake in that. Uh, so there you go. That's a little bit more on the uh, fast food conversation that we had because Brent Cron bailed on us uh, five minutes before coming on the show. That's very Cron of you. Uh, very on brand for Brent Cron. Uh, he's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. We are under way on this Wednesday edition of the Steinberg Show. It is game day. It's the Flames and the Dallas Stars and a 7.30 face-off from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames trying to finish this four-game homestand with seven of a possible eight points. They can do that with a win tonight. They're 2-0-1 to this point. Uh, a couple people want the checkers story. The, the, the long and the short of it is it was in a really big bad spot uh it was not a place where i should have been i didn't know that and i was almost uh, kidnapped so that that was my checker story i still did get the checkers though and it was really good it was quite tasty um, so it wasn't necessarily probably, checkers fault just no no checkers navigation. had nothing to do with it it was okay. just where the checkers was ah. i probably shouldn't have been there <laughs> uh it was not a bad idea that's why you do research before you go places um so uh a- anytime you'd like to uh, get your fast food takes they're always welcome on the glenn morati fan feedback text line at 960-960 just ask me not pat yeah <sighs> Your elitist attitude is really making it hard to work with It's you. tough to not be elitist when I'm right. There you are, <laughs> being elitist again. <laughs> uh, 960-960 on the tax line. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. Steinberg Show continues next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Musical interlude there on uh, some three burning questions. little 50 cents. Who doesn't love some fitty? Come on. Exactly. Uh, What do we got, Kleiner? Uh, All right. Question number one. The Dallas Stars were written off by uh, many people at the start of the season. They got off to a slow start. Maybe this isn't their year. A couple different things. They have since turned it around. But I am wondering, and I know we're going to get a lot of texts saying, oh, well, the Dallas Stars were last place on January 3rd. Is there any team that as of right now, November 13th, 2019, you can confidently count out of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, I, I know that we talked and they were here about this team might be good down the road. I like the direction that they're going, and I do. I think they've got some nice prospects. I think Larkin's a good player. I think Mantha's a good player. But they're not getting any saves, uh, and I just can't see it. They're not a very good team. Uh, they still have the NHL's second lowest winning percentage. Uh, I think that you can confidently count out the Detroit Red Wings in the Eastern Conference. I'm also quite certain about the Ottawa Senators and Los Angeles Kings. So I gave you more than one. Wow. But I'm, I'm, I, uh, 
I don't think there's a chance for Detroit, Ottawa, L.A. to be playoff teams right now. And I'm not, I, I would put Minnesota very much in that same tier. With the Calgary Flames, we were talking a bit about trying to find their game, and this isn't the team I thought they were, and, and all of those things. But the last couple efforts have actually been pretty all right. Do you think the Flames are now, I guess, back on track? I don't know. I just I, I know that they're playing better. And I, I think that the if you were to take a look at the month by month and if you were to flip the calendar and see what they did in October and the way they played in October and compare it to the way they've played to this point in November, I think that you would see a, a little bit of a difference. Uh, I think they've played far better all-round team games. Uh, I like their game against Columbus. I like their game against Washington despite the loss. I like their game against New Jersey. And even though I thought St. Louis was the better team, I, I still thought Calgary was pretty good in that game against the Blues. So I I've liked their overall body of work in the month of November. So I don't know if they're back on track necessarily to, you know, being a team that's going to fight for top spot in the Western Conference, but I do think their game is better now than it was in the first month of the season. So that's, especially when things did not get off to a very good start, that's uh, probably all you're looking for if, if you're the Calgary Flames. Last one here in three birding questions, just to get uh, a little nerdy. It was LSU against Alabama over the weekend. LSU winning 46-41. A lot of people with the, the Dolphins with tanking for Tua, assuming that the Alabama quarterback is going first overall. Ooh. If you had the first pick overall and the NFL draft was for some reason today, are you going Tua, are you going Joe Burrow, or are you going off the board? Oh, boy. I mean, I guess it depends what team you are, but let's just assume that the team uh, is in need of a quarterback. I think I am going to a... Uh, there is too much there in terms of raw ability to not like, and I just I, I would feel bad about missing that opportunity and, and passing on that and letting a team behind me get that. The problem is, and I know that, uh, for instance, uh, there's a person in the room that I'm sitting in right now who cheers for the Miami Dolphins. Now they're getting another, they're not getting the number Miami Dolphins are the hot, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I don't know if you know that, Derek Wills. Uh, but they're not getting the number one overall pick. Um, but if I had a choice between picking number one overall this year or next year, I think I'd rather I'd rather go after Trevor Lawrence as my uh, as my franchise quarterback. I like Tua, but I mean Trevor Lawrence looks like a bona fide NFL superstar quarterback uh, already, and he's a sophomore. So I, uh, I I think that if I had the number one pick this year and I needed a quarterback, I'd still go Tua, but I'd rather have the number one overall pick next year. All right, that is the correct answer, by the way. So uh, congratulations. Oh, did I get it right? Yeah, you yes. know that one. Yeah, crushed it. Yes! Yeah, Joe Burrow will also be going very high in that first round with a number of quarterback-needy teams there. Uh, but just what Tua has done in national championship games, and again, not his best outing, still had over 400 yards against LSU. So I, I still think he goes number one and should go number one. Yeah, probably should go number one. Yeah. Who's going to get number one overall? Oh, the Bengals. They're not winning a game. They are terrible. They're really bad. Dolphins are now fifth. That, that, I know that run that the longest winning streak in the AFC East now has them with a uh, the the fifth spot in the NFL draft. There are Honest some team awful in the teams. AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. there you go. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jason DeForest spent uh, fifty one dollars oh. of his uh, of his free agent budget on uh, Brian Hill of the Atlanta Falcons. 
I bid 26, I believe. I'm like, oh, that's a good pickup. He doubled that. Yeah. Guy he, needs a running back. Apparently. You know, hey, if you need a running back, fighting for a playoff spot, you got a guy who might be number one on the depth chart for a couple of weeks. Yeah, he's uh, $51, though. I was, when I saw that I didn't get him, I'm like, dang, I thought I bid a, a decent amount. They said, no, beard science, $51. Here, oh, here's boy. the thing. Not fighting for a playoff spot. Jay is second in the league. There, there was... Absolutely no need for that whatsoever. This is a two-week thing that someone in my position battling for a playoff spot should be doing, not second to place in the league. Yeah, that's actually kind of strange. Interesting. Uh, it's actually been a weird year for Jay. He has not been, at least to me, he has not been sending completely bonkers, ridiculous, no reason for this trade offers every six minutes. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to trade you six receivers. You give me four running backs and a defense. How do you like that? You're like, what? What is this trade? What are you doing? Why are you proposing this? Uh, anyway, uh, American Thanksgiving is later this month, Thursday, November 28th, and the fourth annual Iconic Electric and Controls Turkey Bowl is back at Cowboys. Don't miss out. Uh, Cowboys Dance Hall is the spot. Uh, great food, three NFL games on huge screens, entertainment, a lot of drinking, all in support of Kids Sport Calgary. Check out the website to learn more, IconicTurkeyBowl.com. Once again, IconicTurkeyBowl.com. Talbot starting in net, Froleek coming back in, and the Dallas Stars aren't scoring. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off in just a few. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.